0: and welcome once again to another yet another book of books uh, podcast called books of the year i forgot what the title it's been so <laughs> well, that was. so long since smooth. <laughs> so long since the last one he's matt williams and we've yes, been off I for have. so long and basically the reason why we've been off is that matt's been writing his own book
2: well but yeah i have been well i have yes i have i have i began writing with no plan uh and then sort of about a third of the way through came up with a plan, uh, and then... But I I enormously enjoyed writing it. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And also... What's it called? called? uh, Well, I've, I've called it Trash to begin with but yes. um i i've also had other ideas but I, I i you know you just have to call it something don't you for a long time it was called untitled document that was what it was called but it's you know you've got to give it a name so uh so well, trash yeah. is better yeah. than untitled
0: document that's for
2: certain yes no no i think so i think so so uh so uh yeah it's about a, a week or so since i sort of pressed save So we'll see. We will see. And it is also worth saying that um, uh, since we last did a podcast, uh, of course, Liverpool have won the league, which uh, I I Okay, we're running out of time, so we've got
0: some
3: emails
0: (laughs) to uh, to come. Uh, No, well, congratulations, because obviously Liverpool are the best team in the UK, and so therefore they're fairly entitled to win everything, but also Spurs beat Arsenal. So really, that's the kind of... There you go. Small well done, North London Cup. So... um, Bev from Cambridge, good to have you back. Questions I've been itching to ask. Oh, itching to ask. Oh, I see. What will oh, you wow. miss Hold if on. life goes back to the old normal? Any lockdown bad habits you intend to keep? What books are you looking forward to this summer? Well, the, the only thing I'll mention here about the lockdown bad habits is that the producer of this podcast, Ben, sent me three kilograms of jelly babies. And I didn't oh. realize that it was from him, But it did. but all it said on the front was, it was addressed to Simon Greedy Guts Mayo, right? And then I opened it up, and it's three kilograms of jelly babies. I'm thinking, who would who would send me that? And the answer is Ben, who's the producer of this podcast. Anyway, they're all gone, and you're now hooked on them. Are you? Yeah, I am now eighteen stone. <laughs> Any lockdown bad well, habits for you? Well, I I've been doing
2: quite a lot of cooking. Okay, and uh, I at one point was making a banoffee pie every week and I put on a lot of weight mainly because uh, my son was not eating any of the banoffee pie so I was eating a whole banoffee pie every week and I had to stop because I was unable to fit out of the door Um, so uh, uh, yes yes
0: Pick an email from the uh, from the emails in front from, of you. From
2: from the many uh, emails. Here we go. Um, hey, lovelies. This is from Anna Lindsay. I'm in Waikī, Aotearoa, uh, New Zealand. And I'm afraid to say that I didn't know about your delightful podcast until a couple of weeks ago, so I'm more than a bit behind. But it is the perfect tonic when in yes. lockdown on my own and dreadfully missing my grown-up kids. Today, I've been listening to your podcast with Roger Daltrey. My goodness, that's a... Yes, on the 14th of December, 2018. That is so long ago. Um, I've just heard you say, if you're listening from the future, please tell us things are getting better. <laughs> Lol. Uh, oh, dear. Yes, no, not... Not. not. Yeah, well, that's Who would not really have thought then, in Lindsay's. the... Dog- Days of 2018. Couldn't possibly get any worse. Oh, yeah. Ah. Try global pandemic sunshine. Uh, that's from Anna
0: Lindner. Craig Manley, just before we talk to Robert Webb, did any of the editors have a hissy fit about the strap line? So, this is about, so uh, I have a book called Knife Edge, which is coming out on August 20. And on the, on the front, it says, uh, Simon, Knife Edge, uh, you never know where danger will come from. So Craig Manley says, did any of the editors have a hissy fit about the strapline ending with a preposition? You never know where, from where danger will emerge or something. Where did you all go to school? I'm going for a lie down, darlings, amateurs, all of you. Well, actually, uh, because I work with Mark Kermode, I did specific, and I know he has this thing, you know, you can't end a sentence yeah, with a preposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the editor, a very senior editor at Penguin said, it's fine. Of so course it is. That's of the, course it's fine. And it's actually the end of that debate, It is fine to end the sentence with a preposition. Le fin,
2: that's it. Yeah, 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 no, quite right. And when are we going to be talking about your book? So you've just mentioned August. So when in August is it out?
0: Yes, to be honest, August the 20th is the publication date. But um, there will be a special edition of the podcast for the release of Knife Edge in which I will be interviewed by Lee Child. So uh, he did actually say, the the last time he was on, the last time he was on, he said... uh, He suggested that he interview me when it comes out. I didn't actually think that was going to happen. Of course, it may well still not happen. But he said yes. So that will be something to look for, I think, don't you? Good effort. Yeah, 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 definitely. Jack says, Hurrah, great to have you back. Has Matt's book found an editor? Has Simon May read it? Simon has just started reading it. We'll Just started. It. Wow. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Uh no, no Ooh. editor as yet. Ooh, yes.
2: Let's find out later.
0: Anyway, yeah. um, here we go. So let's let's introduce let's introduce our guest because this is a it's good to be back, and here we go with a top author. Well, it's time to introduce Robert Webb because uh his splendid book Come Again is is out uh and it's available and he needs all the support that he can get because <laughs> well Hello, Robert. By the way.
3: Hello there. Hi.
0: I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Oh, I, well, I, I, that's I mean how is, I took it. Okay. <laughs> what I mean is, every single uh, author needs all the help that they can get.
3: But me, in particular. No what you mean what with the um publishing books when all the bookshops are closed that old. That, I That's mean old.
0: I know I know they they're just about you know opened but you know in in general it wasn't a great asset was it to, to it wasn't on out? the
3: 23rd of April when this book was published yes that was it was pretty much peak <laughs> peak coronavirus <laughs> uh it's all about the timing um and uh what i kept trying to remember was that hey you know to say to good people such as yourself, look, it's a very uplifting and cheerful and deliberately written to be easy to read and funny and marvellous book. So it's almost your ideal lockdown book, I said. <laughs> <laughs> almost <laughs> trying to trying to believe it as I said it. But That's yes, exactly. it, it, true, the truth is, yes, you don't really want to publish a book when all the bookshops are closed. And also, you know, when you're trying to sell books by going on a massive tour that immediately gets cancelled so, yeah, I mustn't grumble, mustn't grumble. It did all right, and I hear from uh, happy readers every day, so that's good. That's
0: a very good thing. Uh, Matt, before we go any further, describe the book cover, please, unless you've got well, a, a, a I trendy Well, I can't version.
2: describe it because, yes, I've got the, I've got the preview oh, no. version. Mine actually says fifth pass, so I'm guessing <laughs> this is the final pass. It's No, that's the, four, the, four bef- <laughs> the four people,
3: it the four people that was sent to before you didn't want to read it.
2: <laughs> so, so yeah, normally I'd describe the front cover. so I'm going to I think we should rely on Robert to describe the front cover. Robert, oh, okay. can you
0: describe the cover of your
3: book? Yeah. Why not? Um, so uh, there seems to be a sort of two-tone thing going on. So the top half uh, is a sort of um, t- classy and tasteful cream. Uh, with my name in black, and uh, it says the number one Sunday Times bestselling author. That's because I've published one other book, which did go to number one in the Sunday Times bestselling authors Good. So that's nice. Mm. This one didn't. Um, but I, again, we've been over that.
2: Yeah, better. Let's not go over that again.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't um, mean that doesn't mean the decline has set in. It doesn't. No. no well, I, you know. Well, that's generous of you to say so. But you know, who knows? I may have peaked. But anyway, that's the top half. And there's a little yes. illustration of a male and a female character and the male seems to be sort of fading. And then underneath that, there's the title, Come Again, in bold. Uh, red against a beautiful pale blue. And the tagline, you can't fall in love for the first time twice. But now I'm thinking the tagline should have been, he needs your support. Um, <laughs> please give generously. He please. needs your support. Or, or perhaps, well, my wife suggested this morning, it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> 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 because a lot of people seem to have missed missed the idea that it's supposed to be fun. So, but it is.
0: It is fun.
3: It is. Yeah, fun. Yeah, it is yeah, both yeah. supposed to be and, in my view, is fun.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of. I, you know, it's laugh out loud. It's laugh out loud funny. It's very moving. Uh, it's very powerful. And you're taking us into some strange places. Anyway, but before we go any further, you might as well tell us uh, about. Uh, Kate and Luke, and and where we are as this novel starts. Take
3: okay, it. well, we've got our heroine, Kate. Kate Marston. Uh, she is a widow. She's about my age, a bit younger. She's forty five, and she lost her husband, Luke, about nine months ago. And they were they've been together a very long time. They've been together twenty eight years. They met when they were kids. They met uh, in Freshers Week uh, at the University of York, but Luke just died, and Kate is not doing well. She's not getting better. She's in terrible grief. In fact, she's almost a danger to herself. One day she wakes up. She's in the wrong body, in the wrong room. This is her college room. It's 1992. This was the week, in fact, this was the day that she met Luke for the first time. What do you do? She's 18, but she remembers everything. Uh, She knows how he died. She thinks she's there to save him. She's going to try and do everything exactly the same, hence comedy because you can't do everything exactly the same. Uh, And that's basically the beginning of the book. And then I, since after that, there's a middle and an ending and all the bits in between.
0: Well, thanks for joining us. That's Robert Webb talking
3: about... (laughs) My name's Robert Webb. Uh, Enjoy the
0: buffet. In a way, it's it's quite difficult to give a feeling of the book because, as you said, it is laugh-out-loud funny. um, But it it is... uh, I don't want this question to take us necessarily in the wrong direction, but it's a. T- yeah. Is is time travel quite difficult to pull off? Basically, is it it's in a- terms of tying up and making? Because I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, does that plot line work? Can I make mm-hmm. A get get to B? I've never written time travel. I think you yeah. pull it off fantastically, but do, is it troublesome?
3: That's very kind. Um, well, no, because I, as you will have noticed, I wasn't that interested in the sort of back to the future, ooh, if you change this in the past, then the present is affected in this way. Kind. I mean, that's a lot of fun. But I don't really, I, I was less interested in that than in this sort of emotional heft of, oh my God, my husband's alive again. Oh my God, my father's alive again. Uh, and I'm surrounded by friends who these lifelong friends who are now these strange 18 year old versions of them and they don't know who i am my husband doesn't know who i am i've got all of this foreknowledge about not just the future of world events as 2020 vision almost because i'm i'm from the future but also foreknowledge of uh of their lives and how their lives change and and all of this stuff um and that's what interests me about the book i mean the reader hopefully isn't too worried about what it's going to be like when she gets back to the present. I don't even mention that she's going to go back to the present. Um, It's, uh, I mean, that's what happens. I mean, it's in three parts. We're in the present and she's, you know, she's having a really terrible time. Middle section, she's in 1992. Third section, she she does come back to the present and she explodes back into life. I mean, if there's anyone who comes back to life, it's Kate. And that's what the story's about, really. It's about grief. It's the movement from when you're stuck in the past, um and you know which is how it feels when you lose someone especially if you lose someone who you shared a house with just everywhere you turn their absence is almost a presence um and that's what it's like for Kate and then she literally has to go and live in the past in order to re-embrace the present and to remember what uh what the present has to say for itself that it that it does have something to offer is that that when you start to blend the lost past with the new present that's what mourning is and that's where that's that's what Kate has to learn Mm. to do um but with jokes (laughs) um so I was I was that was my interest in that and hopefully the whole you know the mechanics of it um why is she, why does she find herself in 1992 if i've done my job properly we don't care in the same way that we don't care that bill murray keeps waking up at six o'clock on groundhog day um <laughs> uh, but i mean there is a there as you know there's a there's a bit right at the end where some of this is kind of sort of, there's an a, not an appendix exactly a, but a you know it's slightly outside the the action of the story it is sort of addressed um, but again, it's I leave it wide enough open for the for the reader to to make what they will of it. Yes. Uh, next, Matt Williams has a question.
2: Yeah. Um, no, I I really love this, uh, Robert. And and right. we're right we're right to to put the top line of this is very funny. And also the reason it also particularly worked for me is when Kate goes back to 1992 I was a student in 1992 so oh, here we go. um yes no no, no absolutely <laughs> and this this was like you Whereas know Simon this was was doing
3: the radio one road show
2: he, did, he I'm, I'm sure he was yeah yeah um, Correct, so were uh, you really right okay <laughs> yeah um, too yes i was listening we, yeah. whereabouts Probably fun starting oh, Almost certainly Corn, Cornwall it's, it's or
3: seven, probably. It's very much a function of the roadshow <laughs> that it was all, all over the place, Matt. <laughs> That's how these things work. Yeah. Um, so, no, so so I was... I, I love
2: being taken back to um, 1990. It's, it's odd because during this lockdown, um, the people that I... Uh, lived with when I was at university. We've all been getting together on Zoom chats every week mm-hmm. because we've not really spoken for the last 30 years, but we all sort of get together every week. It's been really weird. And I've been telling them about this book and how many parts oh. of it that just sprung out to me as, oh my goodness, I've forgotten about that. And, and it's weird things like the Alliance and Leicester. We all had an Alliance <laughs> and Leicester. I don't know. Are they still going? I don't know. But, but just the, the mention of the cash card Alliance and Leicester and, oh my God, the James t shirt. Everywhere, everyone's got one of these oh, James did. T-shirts, and it's. Uh, I heard a story about apparently the A and R man for James before they got big. He basically just went to university campuses and gave cool-looking kids t-shirts before anyone knew who they were and that's how they sort of gained that's that's why on campuses everywhere you just saw people with those flower flowery james t-shirts i just i want to know really robert what your i mean because i don't know if someone asked me to talk about the 1990s i'd probably get the, the obvious stuff but for example i wouldn't have got alliance and leicester so what what kind of research did you do into sort of early stu, uh, student life in the early 90s
3: Dave and I used to do a series of sketches on Amish and Weblook called Lazy Writers where they uh they talk oh, yeah. done some very, very badly yeah. written sketches based on like you know, <gasps> medical drama. Uh, without and they go, Oh, you you can get bogged down with so called research <laughs> and they clearly don't know anything about medicine yeah. or nothing yeah. about law. Um, oh, so they have characters saying, oh, this patient is looking very peaky. We should give him the right medicine. Anyway, um, so yeah. uh, I don't want... Without wishing to sound like one of the lazy writers, I didn't do that much. Oh, because you didn't, it's no, right, okay. It's no, it's no coincidence that, you know, it's 1992, which was my freshest Week, and it's quite... Um, you know whether you went to university or not. When you're 18, 19, it's quite a formative part of your life, and those memories are pretty vivid anyway. So I remembered the Ned's Atomic Dustbin T-shirts yeah. over the long sleeve tops and and the music, some You know stuff about the clothes and the music. I didn't have to look it up too much, which is a kind of it feels like cheating. But on the other hand, if you don't have to do that, you know that the stuff that you're that's easy to remember. And I've learned this when I wrote the memoir a couple of years ago that will be the stuff that other people remember as well. So, I mean, the more research you do, the more you're, you're tempted to kind of educate people about stuff rather than rather than ringing bells. So, mm-hmm. um, so there was that. And also, 92 is kind of interesting in that if you talk about the 90s, I think a lot of people's minds will immediately go to Blair and Britpop, which, of course, was much later. 92 is, you know, you've had two years of John Major with another five to go it was yet another conservative decade really and, and looking at it from the from where we are at the moment one can i think one could be forgiven for being almost nostalgic even if you're not a conservative supporter for for how just dull it was and how sort of benignly boring and yeah. you know you know the, the oh, thing yeah. that we were moaning about was the cons hotline for crying out loud there was no there was there was no deadly pandemic there was no trump there was no brexit there was you know the, uh, it was all kind of predictable, so um, I, I think at one point I call it you know um, dull but with sunny intervals the the frustrating weather of a functioning democracy. Um, yeah. So there's that there's that sort of it, because the book's sort of interested in nostalgia and the limits of nostalgia, but also you know the having your cake and eat it because yeah I'm I I want to remind everyone about All Saints and uh, and suede and, and and stuff like that as well because um, it is kind because of, it is fun. But, um, but, as Kate finds out, you know if you're if you're back there, and I think it's a very common daydream that we've all had. what would you change, or what would how would you behave if you went back to your younger self and you knew uh everything that you know now? I think you you think about it for another five seconds, you realize you'd be incredibly lonely, I mean, it's just very isolating that she has all of this knowledge, and she's surrounded by all these people that she loves who are strangers to her apart from her you know, her mum and dad, nobody knows who she is. So it's some, um, so I was kind of interested in, yeah, in the the pros and cons of nostalgia and, and what it would be like to to go back there.
0: I, I think one of the reasons why this novel works so well is that you, it manages to be for, you know, based now looking forward and also uh, the the nostalgia of the 90s. Uh, did it, did the idea fall in your, did it, was it fully formed? How long has this, uh, has this story been knocking around in your head?
3: it was very fully formed in a terrifying way that i i doubt will ever happen again but it it, it came um a long time ago in fact i know that it was 2012 because uh, uh the the olympics had just finished um and i was we were filming uh, a scene of peep show and i was sitting in jeremy's car uh and i was uh, hanging around on twitter because the uh they were relighting the, they were re in the lights uh, and uh, Nigel Cole, who just directed me in a nice film called um, The Wedding Video, was saying, has anyone got any good ideas for another film? Because, that, because the wedding video had just come out on the hottest weekend of the year during the Olympics, and it completely <laughs> flopped. <laughs> uh, and Nigel was going, anyone got any ideas? And I just remember sort of looking <laughs> through the windscreen and... I'm focusing my eyes, and and the, the the idea just happened. Widow goes back, meets uh, dead husband when he's still an annoying teenager. That's the other thing, wow. by the way, that about about Luke is that you know he's not the man that she lost. He is the boy that she first met, and he's still sort of you know he has all of those English student affectations. He's pretending to be French, and he's pretending to have read books that he she knows that he hasn't read, and uh, all of the stuff that she knows about him as his wife of twenty eight, well, as his partner of twenty eight years. Um, it, it's just he's there. He is talking about Ben Okri, uh, and she knows he hasn't read any Ben Okri. So, I mean, that's the other sort of fun part of it. Anyway, I've uh, sidetracked myself. Uh, Do people actually?
0: To? Do people actually say? Has anyone? This is a film director. Has anyone got a good idea for a film? Does that?
3: Actually, <laughs> he, really, he really did. I think it was really sweet. I mean, it's what he's. This is like going back a bit, but when you could show your soft underbelly on Twitter without being without it being pulled to pieces. You just said, hello, I'm a film director. Has anyone got any good ideas? <laughs> and um, I, did, I, did th- to the, I did reply in private. I didn't just send it out there. Uh, yeah, I had a meeting with him about it. Um, but then it just sort of didn't go anywhere. And then I was, I was quite busy as an actor. And then um, the idea for the memoir, uh, How Not to Be a Boy, sort of overtook it. But then when I sort of sent the idea for the memoir out, um, I sort of tagged on. And by the way, I've got this idea for a novel in my back pocket if anyone's interested in that. So it, it made it a better sort of, um, hello, I'm going to be a uh, book writer now yeah. kind of pitch.
0: I just add a, uh, just had a uh, Matt, because you've got a whole stack of fantastic questions on the subject of has anyone got a good idea for a film? Uh, there's a screenplay that you've, that you've done for this?
3: It's going to be a TV series, hopefully, uh, and I won't be adapting it myself. Um, in fact, we don't have a. I, if we do have a writer, I haven't been told. <laughs> I haven't been told the writer yet. Um, but I think it's. Uh, I didn't want to. Do, I was asked if I wanted to do it myself, and I didn't really. A because I don't have any experience as a screenwriter of, of that kind. And but mainly, I just thought it was. It, it could uh, usefully have a, another pair of eyes, just a, a different talent coming on, and. And seeing all the stuff that I got wrong, and uh, and I think I would, I would just be too precious with it. So I just want to go. I've written the book. That's done. That's safe. That's like bullseye. You've, you can't <laughs> lose that. That's fine. You've got the book, uh, and let them really rock and roll with whatever they want to change for um for the TV to make it work as a as a proper TV show. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. And it, it comes out in America tomorrow, uh, whenever tomorrow is, as we say in show business, several <laughs> months later after this conversation happens. Um, but anyway, whatever tomorrow was, it was then. That's Time travel. when it, was. Travel. That was, that's yeah, when it was stroke is out in the United States.
2: Good to get our first Jim Bowen impression into the podcast. <laughs> I know basically every every author that we have does a Jim Bowen impression, but yeah, it's good every to get our first done it. As- yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I do want to talk about luke and you've you've sort of alluded to the how he is the boy that she first met as opposed to the man that she fell in love with and and he is foolish and, try- and uh, trying to make himself out to be sophisticated and blah 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 and I by the way, have been reminded by these sort of university friends of mine about. How i used to have a massive poster this is so embarrassing i used to have a massive poster in my room of a, a french version of dead poet society so basically <laughs> course, dead I mean... poet society
3: but in french it's, it's not enough I just was... to have the english poster that's, that's brilliant that's <laughs> it perfect
2: must be in french how very sophisticated i am ladies um but uh, the, the the bit that that is your key to that to showing us how Luke is this uh, bit pretentious. Is his book now? We yeah. need to talk about the opening to Luke's sci-fi book, which is hilarious. I have just been trying my hand at writing, and being able to write at all is be is beyond uh, you know, or certainly some days feels beyond me. But. It is superb what you've what you have done with Luke's opening lines, opening chapter in a in a sci-fi novel. I was on the floor with laughter. It's so fun. <laughs> I, how much fun did you have writing that?
3: Oh, I think yeah. I mean, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I think I must have spent a day on that paragraph. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically a, a young a young man's a young man who happens to be not a very good writer. His best go at sounding a bit like Martin Amis. But without anyone accusing him of copying Martin Amis, Uh, (laughs) that was the sort of brief that I gave myself. So you know, you've got Jessica Zed ticked along the asphalt with her pneumatic breasts. I can't remember what it was, (laughs) but you know, it's it's that kind of thing. And uh, he was it it dipped and ego tripped and his yin and his yang. uh, Anyway, Um, so yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, And and uh, obviously, it's a terrible cheat, obviously, because you know I have Kate asking herself, how long is he going to keep this up? Oh my God, he's going to keep it up for 28 years. (laughs) It took me me many, many hours to write that small thing. But um, we're we're to believe that there are hundreds and hundreds of pages of this unfinished novel uh, that are all as dense, stroke, terrible as that little excerpt that I provide.
0: Le siècle des poètes disparu. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh well done! It
2: was that, and you know, I mean, it's not. I That's mean, of, it's not a. It's not a great movie. It's. I mean, it's an okay movie, but it's, yeah, I. It's much more I mind, thought having a. I yeah. liked it.
3: <laughs> Um, well, i well. I, I was inspired captain. by um, <laughs> by what's it? Sean Leonard Thingamy, his uh, puck at the end with oh, those, yes. bits of, those bits of twig coming out. <laughs> David and I, when we did Edinburgh shows, we had a character called Puck that was basically my version of him doing that oh, because right. it was just so annoying. And Puck <laughs> was this sort of um, the sidekick to uh, Derek, uh, David's uh, Baron Amstrad, who was an evil uh, supervillain. Anyway, Baron Amstrad <laughs> and Puck uh, will never be. No, if you didn't see that particular Edinburgh show in 1998, uh, I don't know why I'm bringing it up. But yeah, Sean Lennon... Five the Scotsman. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, if only the Scotsman. Get out of our country, the Scotsman. Piss off, you Footlights idiots. (laughs) The Scotsman. Oh, you're so posh in English. Goodbye. Yeah. That was the polite version.
0: Did you... you had, obviously, because it says on the front, number one Sunday Times best-selling author. Did you enjoy the discipline of writing a novel, which is obviously a novel experience, but the whole construction yeah. uh, of it, did it did it feel very different to writing for television or writing it the was, How, how it Not To Be com- A Boy?
3: Compared to the memoir, it was much harder um, because, uh, well, you have to make it up, obviously, for the whole, you know, the the... In terms of the plot, with the memoir, I sort of imposed a sort of structure on it. You know, there's part one is about a boy, and part two is about when I uh, jump forward to me being a husband and a father. Um, but still, you don't really expect a life to have a five act structure. You don't expect a, a life to have a, any kind of you know twists and turns and bits of suspense. I mean, I was able to put some things in like that just with the way I chose and ordered the events. But still, you don't you don't have very high hopes for for, for the plot and the structure. In a memoir in a novel you really do you've got to make the story work um so i found that quite intimidating and and a couple of times i got stuck and i did the absolute worst thing i could possibly do which was started to read um, books about movie structure books about structure how to how to you know plot your story uh, and found that i was doing everything wrong and then it took me another month or so before i threw those books away and just carried on doing it the way i was doing it uh, and eventually. You know, I got a first draft, but that that first draft, and my agent kept saying, this is supposed to be the fun bit. And I was going, okay, you do it then. (laughs) Um, uh, I didn't find that much much fun because I was just so anxious the whole time that I was going to be able to pull the whole thing together. I think next time I will do a bit more planning. I don't think if I planned more, I don't think it would have been a better story, but I think I would have had a less stressful time. Um, eventually, I did get a plan, kind of halfway through, and then I could follow the the plan. I, I was much happier, but it was uh, it was without you know wishing to moan because it's a great job and a lovely opportunity to be able to do this. Uh, it was it was hard work to that first draft was a yeah took ages and was and was tough. But then when you get down to the the nitty gritty of the sentences, that's where I really enjoy it. And at that point, it's just like the memoir actually because. Whether you're describing a memory or something that you've just invented, it's still getting something that's in your imagination, because where do memories live, if not in your imagination, onto the page and into a version of them into the minds of the readers through the Enigma code of English. So, you know, it's it's the same. um, It's exactly the same thing. Uh, At that level, uh, level of sentences of, you know, just making sure that you don't you get out of your own way and you're not there are no little accidental rhymes or accidental ambiguities or, you know, ruffles that are going to make the reader stop and have to go back. And just all of those skills that are quite transferable from being a sketch writer in a way, because you you learn something about economy, you learn something about uh, uh, not not giving the the audience something to worry about. I think it was Hitchcock said a confused audience do not emote, and he's he wanted to scare them. I don't want to scare them. I want to make them laugh usually, um, but it's the same principle. If they're if they're slightly worried about something because that you've left you've left a loose end accidentally rather than a deliberate loose end, then they're, they're not going to laugh and they're not going to be moved. And so it's all, it's all the same skills really.
0: Can I ask you? I've left it till now so that w- I think people have realised that this novel is fun and laugh out loud funny, etc. But it's it's worth just mentioning the grief in here as well because the intensity of the grief that Kate feels uh, is so astutely observed. Yeah, you know, it 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 feels uncomfortable. You know, you feel as though you have to look the other way mm-hmm. because you've written that with with such with such power. So I know I realise that's not a question. That's a statement. But I
3: well, I thanks just you thought very it, much.
0: Pe- pe- people will will at that point they'll hook into that and they'll and I think they will be astonished by the power of the writing
3: well thank you very much i mean um readers of how not to be sorry about the motorbike going far too fast down this residential road i should be having words with whoever you have words with um, sorry accidental partridge came out i mean what 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 does he what a lunatic what is he doing um sorry uh, yes, um, readers of How Not to Be a Boy will know that I lost my mum uh, when I was seventeen. Um, so some of that experience is definitely feeding into uh, Kate uh, Kate's experience there. And I think it'd be much worse to lose a partner. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, the, there's there's that there. I mean, I worried about it. To be honest, I, I thought, oh God, can't I start with a chapter where can we have a fun speech when they they get married or can't, you know, can't they, can't we start with something a bit more upbeat? Um, because you know, the first 30 pages are pretty miserable. And I was worried about, you know, people standing in bookshops and browsing and kind of putting the book down because it was too upsetting. I needn't have worried because of course there were no bookshops. <laughs> uh, and, and there, there was, there was no browsing. So, yeah. you know, either they bought it or they didn't. Um, uh, yeah, but, um, but hopefully, um, you can sort of get past that. And also we're inside Kate's head or hovering just outside Kate's head most of the time. And she, I gave her a kind of mordant, dark humour. She has a very dry sort of take on all of this, even when she's, let's face it, pretty much suicidal. and, and uh, but there are some, some tough jokes to be wrung out of that, that, that I think we just about earn because, because the, her, uh, her feelings of loss, hopefully are authentic. And we, believe them and and we're rooting for her from the start.
2: I think I think we are, and I think as well you're, you're right to say it's earned as well. It, it reminds me a bit of, uh, and this is a joke that's uh, we've made many times about um, Shawshank Redemption. There's a lot of Shawshank before Not you fair. get to the redemption, but by the time yeah. you get to the redemption, you know, right? I am absolutely in his corner because of what's yeah. happened before, and I think that's certainly the case with Kate. And um, and yes, it is. Uh, it's you know, it, it's uh, uncomfortable. It's messy uh, for, for, for Kate at the beginning, as it as it should be and um and it, yes I, I, as you've said as well without with with an audience being able to emote that brings that brings the book um right up to the foreground i've i've just um been reading a um uh, Ian Ridley's book about um, uh, uh, about grief, which comes out, which is, has absolutely hit me in the solar plexus over the weekend, uh, uh, called "The Breath of Sadness," which uh, coincidentally takes its title from a from a James lyric as well, from "Sit Down." Really um, like but song. it's um, it's it it it's, it struck me as intensely personal, and I I hadn't read your your other books, so I didn't know about your mum. But anyone reading it will straight away know. <laughs> that this is coming from a place where you're where you have first-hand experience of that
3: mm. yeah i mean there again you know in the, the sort of third part of the book uh i mean hopefully i've sort of left enough breadcrumbs about about kate and because kate is not a sort of girl next door kate is an unusual person and she has unusual abilities and i and I've sort of seeded them along and I, hopefully the reader is waiting for her i mean in the first pages i she's looking out the window and she's looking at a, a cloud and it's it's a sort of puffy cumulus cloud, and and she thinks of it like a, an arrested explosion. And I want the reader to be waiting for Kate to explode back into life. It's, it's her that she, she's freeze framed, and then the, in the third part, she really comes back to life. And I. I wanted the reader to think, when this happens, this is going to be a sight to see. And that's why the third part of the book goes absolutely bonkers and completely uh, <laughs> trashes, the, goes into a completely different genre. And some readers have had a, bit, had a bit of trouble with that. And others have just gone, you know, like... It's fun, as, you know, it's fun. As my, wife, yeah. as my wife suggests, the tagline, <laughs> it's meant to be fun. Um, you know, if, yeah. you're, yes. if you're prepared yeah. to just go with it, then uh, yeah. then that's the, the real joy of seeing Kate's lift off.
0: Uh, Robert Webb's book is called Come Again he's the number 1 Sunday Times best selling author by the way and this is his uh, debut novel and it is indeed fun and uh, and very profound as well what, what what do we get next from you robert will it be a uh, tv another, film another
3: novel another novel well we've got we we're heartbreakingly just a week away from finishing the second series of back uh before locked Back was a time Four sitcom i do with david and uh we didn't quite get it in the can before we had to lock down so whenever it's safe to knock that off uh, i'll do that but um uh, hopefully, another novel. I'm just um, perhaps I should go on Twitter and say, Has anyone got a good idea? But I think that's a good way to get sued uh, in the yeah. future. So I, yeah. I think I won't do that. Um, uh, there is half an idea, but uh, at the moment, I think it's a load of childish nonsense. So it's a question <laughs> of whether I abandon that or whether I try and make it sound cleverer than it actually is. Uh, who knows? Stay tuned. Uh,
0: Robert, thank you very much indeed for your time. I appreciate you speaking to us today.
3: Thank you for having me. Thank you very much.